This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. This is a very special episode. Um, We are recording this at my two-year anniversary of working with Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And it was inspired because Chad Himes, who's one of our One Thing certified trainers, he was the 2016 trainer of the year, shot me a text message and says, hey, you've been doing this for two years. We should sit down and how about I interview you on some of the biggest lessons that you have learned over the last two years from Gary and Jay so that we can really recap it for everybody. And I thought to myself, okay, this will be incredibly valuable. Um, I did not know what questions he was going to ask me. And he ends up taking us in a direction that I wasn't really expecting to go. Some vulnerable things were shared that I wasn't planning on sharing. And I'm so glad that we share them with you in this episode because I think this will help you achieve that much more clarity when it comes to how you can live your one thing. With that, let's get into this interview where Chad Himes turns the tables on me and we reflect over the last two years serving you with the one thing. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So Jeff Woods, let's let's flip this a little bit. The podcast is often you asking some amazing questions of some people that you have as your guests. It's time, I think, to put you on the hot seat a little bit for what's going on here. So congratulations on your time that you've been with Keller Inc. and the One Thing podcast on behalf of everybody who's been listening and following for so long. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, there are some things I want to get into and I want to ask yet. First of all, the question that that I really want to throw at you here is When it comes to the one thing, when you first jumped into it, when you first got into this world, when you first took it on from the masters, I mean, you had Jay and Gary right there with you. Was it easy to just adopt the lifestyle of the one thing? Because everybody listening to the podcast or everybody coming to the workshop thinks, well, tomorrow they should change everything. Easy. In some ways, yes. In In some ways, no. What it really was was shocking. It was just an abrupt change. It was like I I had been living my life in black and white. And for the first time, I'm now seeing in color. That when you sit down, for me, the experience was I'm sitting down with Gary showing him my business plan. And he says, you don't earn the right to even think about number two and number three on your priority list until you've mastered number one. 
to be so clear on what your one thing is, the one thing that you can do such that by doing it makes everything else easier or necessary, and to view everything else as a distraction. That was just mind-blowing. He has a way of doing that to people. So, And the book has a, a way of doing that to so many people who don't get the chance to actually hear directly from Gary. What was actually easy, and easy might not be the right word, yet what was actually the easy thing of starting to adopt that one thing lifestyle that might be a great place for other people to start and not be overwhelmed? I think it comes down to the simplicity, Chad. I'm sure you've experienced this too. It's not like we're asking you to build this incredibly complex system. We're asking you to strip the complexity and simplify everything. And when you do that, there's really no hiding. Okay. And what was the one thing that you kept attempting to do that really quickly you learned that's not in alignment with the one thing I've got to change and stop this? I kept trying to chase too many rabbits at the same time. You know, this, this first was so apparent to me when Jay said, great, you got to live the book. What's the first habit you're going to form? And I looked at the seven circles and said, well, I really need to focus on business. I need to focus on my spirituality. I need to focus on my relationships and I need to focus on my finances. And Jay looks at me and says, but if you can only pick one, I say, well, I, I, I really need to do relationship and business. And if you can only pick one, Jay, I can do two, Jeff, if you can only pick one. <laughs> Right. So it's just for we go for decades, however long you have been here on this earth, you likely have been chasing multiple rabbits and it is now a habit to the point where it is subconscious. You just do it. When you start living your one thing, it takes a while for you to finally open your eyes and realize, oh, my goodness, I'm trying to chase too many rabbits. So those of us who have been listening to the podcast for a while, we know that at first you wanted it to be in this category and that court. You narrowed it down. It was business. For a while, you were doing some health stuff. For a while, you're doing finances. Do you feel that you're getting in the right direction in the seven circles? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what has just been the most shocking because – now I've been doing it for two years. And whenever we're doing our webinars, we ask people to look back five years over their life and ask how many truly positive life-changing power habits have I formed? Most people say anywhere from zero to two. That's the average over five years. And to now live this intentionally to give myself permission to just focus on one habit at a time. I'm forming at least four power habits a year intentionally, and then the halo effect takes over, and they're forming baby power habits that I didn't even intentionally form. The habit of thinking in order of priority, the habit of acting in order of priority are two of the most powerful habits I have ever acquired, and I never set the intention to acquire them. It's my other power habits that birth them. So I always hear that when I'm teaching the workshop or people want to talk to me about the book, they always want to argue the habits. Well, what if I do working out and this, or what if I do this and that? And and you're right. It's that one habit. You're right though. If we take 66 days to form a habit and I just average things off. So to me, 66 days is the same as 90 days, Mm. basically a quarter. That's four power habits every year. Someone could adapt and adopt if they would do them one at a time. Are there any other areas of the one thing other than habit forming that you find most people want to argue with you on the research that Gary and Jay have put together in their team that they want to debate with you and say, no, 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 I can do that differently. You know, 
I don't think it's usually when people argue that it's around the research, they usually fight for their limiting beliefs. They fight for the limiting belief that, you know what, that won't work in my job because I'm an executive assistant and my one thing is to support my boss. I can't say no to my boss. My job requires that I be in email because customer service is a part of my job description. They fight for these limiting beliefs that they can't say no when really they just don't have clarity on how they can say no yet. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So, Jeff, there's a part of the book that everybody, even if they haven't read the one thing, knows this story that that they use in the book, and that's the Christmas Carol. Everybody knows it. It's holiday time now, so of course it's it's appropriate that we talk about this at any time of the year. People are watching some version of that story done again and again and again, and we get the visit of three ghosts that come to visit Scrooge and take him way back, look at today, and then look at what can and could be. Let's go way back. Those of us who've been listening to the podcast, who have had the opportunity to hear from you, talk to you, we know where you were maybe the two years before this. We know about your podcast. We know you finding Jay. We know you doing the mentor, all that stuff. Go back. Go way back, Jeff. Let's go back to like high school Jeff. Mm. I mean, if you could go back and see high school Jeff, is he a, is he a, an achiever? Is he one of those kids that just fits in the crowd? What kind of kid was Jeff? Uh, we're going so there. Learn more about you. <laughs> Didn't see it going this way. Cool. <laughs> of course not. That's what makes it fun. I always had high ambitions. I always had high expectations for myself. And I remember even uh, my parents' friends saying, we're not, we don't worry about you. You're going to do really well. I never understood what that was about me. I now understand it was the ability to cast a vision and an unwavering desire to go after what I want aggressively. Yet in high school, I, I, t- I don't talk about this often. Um, I was bullied to an extent. I wasn't um, the super popular guy. I was a noticeable presence. I was the DJ for the school. I mean, I was the lead dancer and MC at Legoland. For anybody who got the sweet, sweet treat of seeing that image. So I was... A presence, yet at the same time, I wasn't accepted. My childhood is one of emotional turmoil, which at the time I really just wanted to be one of the cool kids in the crowd, which I now realize that built my character so strong. The, the, the thick skin, the ability to not really care what other people think, to be willing to pave the path. That set me up for so much. And I'm grateful for it. So, you know, we hear nowadays of, of what it's like to be a, a high school student now, way worse than it was with us, with the cyberbullying that's added on top of it, with all the other things that become issues in high school that maybe we were lucky enough to come after. Knowing the one thing the way you do, mm-hmm. what piece of advice from the one thing would you give to high school Jeff? What piece of advice would you give to other high school students that should be listening to this or whose parents are that can now go share it with their kid? I think it really comes down to the road to mastery. One of the three commitments. I heard Kerry Keller talk about this. And even today we were in a mastermind with him and it came up in conversation again. Extraordinary results to live an extraordinary life requires that you master something. And it only has to be one thing. 
what I now know that I would had told my self in high school and what I actually tell my children who are ages two and four. What do you want to accomplish in this life? And what are the habits that you need to acquire today that will automatically carry you there? To get very intentional about what you want out of your life and then identify the person that you need to become, the skill or the habit that if you just mastered that one thing would carry you to that destination. Excellent lesson for those high school kids that are there or as you say, <laughs> or every single person listening to this. <laughs> the two-year-old or the four-year-old even who are uh, learning that because maybe the kids aren't listening to this yet. We know their parents are. Mm-hmm. We know their grandparents are that can be taking this back to their kids and have this. I was blessed, lucky enough to have had lessons from Gary before he, he wrote the one thing that I was able to share with my daughter at ages. Uh, so those lessons are fantastic ones. Let's go forward a little bit, Jeff. Go from high school to college age. What was what was the college age, Jeff? Yeah, so this is when I realized, um, and, and probably one of the other things, in, in high school I treated everything like it mattered equally. Uh, you know, there was there was the in crowd. I wanted to be in the in crowd instead of realizing that um, there's not one right group to be a part of. In college was when I realized the power of individuality. There's a group of people that are right for you. There is an opportunity professionally that is right for you. It's about looking inward and satisfying yourself inside first to then manifest what you want outside. And that's when I just narrowed my focus down to who were my people? What were the things that I really loved doing and to thrive and try to be extraordinary in those areas? Now, did you know back at that time in life that you're the average of the five people around you or did that come later? I didn't know it that clearly. I had always surrounded myself with great people, people who were ahead of me academically, in sports, whatnot. In fact, even in elementary school, my mom tells me the story that I I kept asking the question, why are my friends so much more successful than me? And I remember because I was always chasing them. She said, honey, that's a good thing. It pushes you. So, But it was the two by four in the face when post-college, when the income gets slashed and I'm realizing, oh, it's my fault for in this case, choosing to be an employee in a position where I don't control my commission structure. I don't control my territory. I don't control my quota. It's my fault that I allowed myself to be in a situation where a company could slash my income by 40%. It's on me. So is it okay if I ask the questions that maybe we don't want to ask on behalf of everybody? Absolutely. What's different then from today? Aren't you working, even though your title is vice president of Keller Inc. And even though you're the voice of the podcast, couldn't Jay come walking onto this screen at any moment, take that microphone away from you and say, thanks, Jeff, it's been good. We're going a different direction. Sure. But then there's also, I came to this opportunity with an understanding that there was the opportunity to earn equity. Okay. Right. This is different than just having a salary or commissions. This is about building a company that um, I earn the right to share ownership in. Sure. And everybody out there, I'm asking it so that they obviously hear that and understand that as well, that there's always opportunities, as you're saying, to take some control, even if you think you're still just an employee of somebody, that doesn't mean there isn't a way to get out of that role for future opportunity. Correct. So 
we have Jeff and we all know the, the story, medical sales that doing this, they're taking this from you. You create the podcast, you do an amazing job with it. You share some great things. You really learn that you're surrounding yourself, who you surround yourself with truly matters. You finally understand all the things that you've been doing without even realizing you were doing them as, as a kid in, in school and all of that as you grew. Now, all of a sudden, here you are, ghost of Christmas present time. Uh, look around you. What's going right? What's still not going right <laughs> two years later in this role compared to what you thought? We all know the story. You came in day one. You were going to do this. You were going to do this. You, you lost the authenticity that came with it. You've redeveloped how this all worked. And feel free to share that a little with us. Yet, what's still not working or what's working really well right now? Sure. What's working well is living my one thing. We just got out of a marketing meeting and our operations manager looked at me and said, how are you coming up with all of this content? How do you come up with so many ideas for the podcast? And without even thinking, my answer was very simple, easy. I live it every day. When you live it every day, I don't have to think about what's the episode going to be about. I'm living it every day. There's always something. And the why I say that's working is because we know that every day that we show up and we live the book and we share our journey, it's that lead domino that will make everything else easier or unnecessary. We see the momentum happening in terms of people joining Living Your One Thing, the membership community, people investing in time-blocking mastery, people attending our live events, seeing the testimonials coming in, seeing in the community where people... I, ask questions. And I'm not even having to jump in because other people have been living it. So they now know how to answer them. They're empowering others. Here's what's not working. I still do not believe that the experience that we deliver is reflective of our brand. What you alluded to, Chad, for anybody who wasn't listening to this a year ago, for the first year of being in business with Gary and Jay, I just focused on selling. I didn't focus on coming from value first, which was the entire reason that I started the Mentee Podcast. It's the whole reason I was able to get into business with Gary and Jay is because I was the type of person who made sure I was bringing more value than I ever attempted to take. And it's the first thing I threw out of the window when I started this company. And I say that publicly because we learned. And it's, that's why we launched the podcast. So much has gone the right way. And still, I am not satisfied I just got out of an hour and a half long marketing meeting where we're talking about our email list and how we treat people on our email list. And very transparently, we are in the business of saving you time. And right now, I feel that 85% of the emails that we send waste your time. I'm not okay with that. The challenge for us is when you look at the world of internet marketing, there are all these proven tactics that lead to generating profit. The problem is they do not reflect our brand. So we have to reinvent the way that it gets done. And I don't know what that looks like yet. Now, I'll I'll probably bet a lot of your audience has that same challenge right there, even though they're not selling what you're selling. Hmm. They're selling themselves in the world of sales. They're selling themselves and their company, whatever the product is they're selling. They're having to follow the same methods that have been proven to work again and again and again, yet don't feel necessarily the authenticity. Don't feel that it's necessarily the right brand for them, even though they just keep doing it again and again and again because it's been proven to work. Throw it out there right now. There's there's no right. There's no wrong. We're in a wonderful environment. It's just the 8,000 of us listening to this podcast live at this exact moment. Be 25,000 before we know it. 100 and 
200,000 listening to it. You're going to look back at this podcast a year from now. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do differently between now and a year from now to work towards finding that solution? Time block time to work on the business instead of in it. To And even tomorrow, I'm having a mastermind with some of our most engaged members from Living Your One Thing to present them some of these ideas and say, let's wipe the slate clean. How should we be interacting with you? What should this look like? And to really get clear on screw the short-term results Let's go for what's going to build long-term trust and brand. What does that look like? And what do we think the short-term consequence is going to be that we may take a hit financially on that? Let's make sure that as a partnership, we buy into that, which I know my partners do. And now let's put the plan in place and execute. Inherently, for what you're talking about, Chad, is, and this is where it's showing up in everybody's life, I will ask you, where in your life, in your business, are you chasing short-term results and sacrificing long-term sustainable results. Yeah, it's a great part in the book that Jay and Gary put together with the hyperbolic discounting. Walk through what that means because it's a big yeah, word. Well, it's, it's a big word for me. Yeah, I can't spell it. I can just say it. Someone <laughs> else will have to spell it out for us. Hyperbolic discounting, right? That's the Jeff, if I'm going to give you $100 today or $200 tomorrow, which would you take? I would take 200 tomorrow. Sure, and everybody that's listening would. Yet if I were to say to you now, I'm going to give you $100 today or $200 a year from today, a whole bunch of people are now saying, well, I'll take the $100 today. What are they doing in their head? They're justifying. Yeah. Right? yeah. I make more money with the 100 I No, they'll go out for dinner and they'll blow the money on something. Or Chad might get hit by a bus. I need to make sure I get the money now because they don't see the value because it's so much farther away. So exactly what you're talking about there. I think a lot of people are taking that short-term success instead of waiting for the long-term results could show up. And I think this is a big part of why people struggle to ultimately live their one thing. They don't take the time to get clear on what they really want someday from now to then get clear on the activity that they need to take today and make a habit. Because change is hard. It's painful at times. And the reward, living your one thing, the reward is not instant. It really is not. Trusting the domino effect is hard. And it's hard for us right now, even building this company. Yeah, instant gratification isn't fast enough for today's Mm -hmm. day and age. We want it yesterday. So, Jeff, let me ask you, how often do you do the goal setting to the now exercise to make sure you're knowing what that long term goal you're working towards is and feel you're getting there? I'm doing it quarterly. Every quarter, I don't just redo my 411. I actually look at my goal setting to the now and I wipe the slate clean. I don't even look at the the old one because I don't want to uh, just move something forward just because it was already written down. I want to actually test if I start from scratch, how closely is my vision going to match the one that I had 90 days ago? And I compare and then, and then combine them to make sure that it's relevant. Okay. Do you do one for every area of your life? Do you just do one? Do you just do goal setting to now for business? Do you just do goal setting to the now for certain goals where Jeff wants to be set? Or do you make sure you intentionally focus on all seven areas of your life having a seven to 10 year plan? Well, we've guided people in living your one thing to do because a lot of people struggle with this is to start with the seven circles 
and ask the question someday from now, what is an amazing spiritual life look like? And to just brainstorm it, just write it down, no judgment, just write it down. Okay, great. What does an amazing physical health look like for you? And write it down. And to go through all the seven circles, which you end up with a laundry list. And then I go through and ask the question, what really matters to me? To the point where if I showed this to my coach, I would be submitting to them, I want accountability in this area. And that nixes 90, 95% of it. And I goal set that to the now. So is that you ask yourself a big, broad question to start, as we talk about in the book about asking good questions to get the right answers. Yep. You ask a big, broad question, and then you keep working your way around the circle until you get it down to the big and specific. You nailed it. Okay. Just so everybody's getting an idea of what you're talking about out there. That- Ch- Chad, have you, have you read this book before? It sounds like you have. <laughs> I've read it once or twice. I might not quote pages the way you do, yet I think I've read it a few times. So, so Jeff, talk to us about – let's go around the seven circles on a scale of one to ten because I want you, you to, to give us some ratings. Uh, let's go back to two years ago. Let's go back to when you started. Where would you rate yourself on a scale of one to ten, one being horrible, ten being outstanding? Where would you rate yourself spiritually? I would have rated myself a three and I would keep myself at a three. So you're still there. Yep. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. So next would be your health. Where would you rate yourself then and rate yourself now? Six and a six. Okay. Personal? Hmm. Personal, I would have been a four and I'm a six now. Okay. Good. Key relationships, who, whichever and whomever come to mind when I ask that question? Yeah. So key relationships, when I first started here, was probably a nine. And right now, I would give myself a six, which, which that one's interesting for me because the whole journey going from employee to entrepreneur was about me being the mentee and surrounding myself with the right people, which is why it was a nine. And when I started this company, I made a conscious decision that nurturing many of those relationships was actually not my one thing. I was going, I was nurturing a lot of relationships. It was like a full-time job. And I now have chosen to go more narrow in the initial first few years to build this company up. I went way more all in on business and I'm now starting to realize I need to develop some habits around forming relationships again from a recruiting standpoint. So that, okay. was an, that was an intentional step back. Okay, so an intentional step backwards is allowed, yet it sounds to me, and again, just to put it on you, it sounds to me like you quickly did what most people do when we talk key relationships, and you took the half of that circle that we consider part of the business half. Yet, what? since this podcast has started, heck, you've added another key relationship in your life by having a child who's now two. Yeah. So. How are you doing on the other side of that circle? Well, and that's where when we look at on the business side, I cut back. And when we look at the family side, I've taken that way up. That's an eight because I used to not be present. This was another one of those big hammers for me when I'm starting to work with Gary and Jay. I was the guy that was sitting in the room with my family who thought that just because I was in the room meant that I was being present when really I was checking email, responding to text messages. I wasn't present. And now as a habit, when I go home, I do not look at my phone. I put it down. 
I don't check email. I am present with my family. So in that regard, it's actually improved. Good. So you've improved there. Now we keep going to the the three circles that I think everybody seems to remember whenever I quiz them and test them. They all remember these last three. Where would you rate job then to now? Job before this was a, a five and now it's a nine. Okay. And business? Business is I'll give myself a seven. I th- we're doing really well, but I'm just so far from satisfied. And, okay. and, and before my business was like a zero. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, just to be clear for everybody, the way I always define it, and I'm sure you do similar, is that job is me, what I'm doing, and then business is we, what we as an organization is doing. There you go. I like that. Okay. And then, of course, the last area would be the financial area. And we know where you probably were two years ago. We can all take some guesses from the stories that you've shared. Yet, where would you have rated yourself versus where do you put yourself now? I would have rated myself at a four and now I'll give myself a six because what has become very apparent to me, and I have never shared this publicly, which is interesting. I never developed the habit of establishing a budget and follow and holding myself accountable to following a budget. Frankly, I always earned so much income that I never really had to look at it. And what's been really interesting and where I'm so grateful for the counsel of Jay in this regard is Jay looks and says, it's not about how much you make, it's how much you keep. We're here to train you how to become a net worth millionaire. And you need to make sure that you are building a lifestyle within your salary, not based on bonuses, not based on commission, not based on equity distributions, because the salary is the thing that's fixed and What a lot of business owners do is they start to make money and they allow their lifestyle to rise. And then what happens is something happens to the business where they have to make reinvestments in the business and they start making short-term decisions in the business to justify a lifestyle. That's huge for my wife and I to now get onto a budget, a written plan that will show that we can live off of our salary so that regardless of what happens with the business, no matter how profitable or not, we're good on our lifestyle, and then I can always be making the right financial decisions for the long run in terms of the business. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that with all of us and being willing to share so much about yourself over the you know length of the podcast already as we've learned so much. And it's just great to watch you learn it and see you apply it to be an example to everybody. Now, I'm going to, again, put you on the spot for some accountability to everybody who's now following Jeff and part of the world that you you have helped really create. I'll ask you the question, Jeff, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything will become easier and necessary to improve that spiritual life score? The one thing that my that we can do, should we choose to do it, and I'll tell you why I say that, uh, is to actually join a temple here in Austin. We're Jewish, by the way, to pick a community that we want to be a part of. And I actually, no, even as I say it, I just went even more specific. Before joining, the one thing that we can do, the one thing we can do to make sure that we join is to attend what they call a Tat Shabbat service. Shabbat is the Sabbath day of rest. Um, And once a month, these temples will do one for the little kiddos. That's really fun. So to take our kids to these organizations so that they can immerse themselves in the Jewish culture, that's going to allow us to figure out which one we actually want to join and start establishing those relationships. Okay. What's the one thing you can do to increase the the physical from, I think you gave yourself a six. What's, what's that one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier and necessary 
in your physical world? Because you've talked about that for the length of the podcast. Yeah. Um, that one would be to time block the specific gym classes each week that I want to go to and share it with my wife and enlist her support in doing that. I'm the type of person where if there is a class, I go to it, especially cardio kickboxing. <laughs> Front and center, baby. Okay. Now, I'm going to call you out on something, Jeff. You used a word in there that um, I think is a bad word in the world of the one thing, and that word was and. Because as soon as you gave me an and, you just made one into two. two. So is it time block or is it share with your wife? Which one is actually the one thing that would make everything else easier or unnecessary? Share with my wife. So I want to I make an important point here. I love that you called me out on that, Chad. Here's why. Folks, I am not perfect. I fail living my one thing. Every single day. And sometimes I'm not even aware of it. Where in your world are you setting a false expectation that you will live the book perfectly? And you are setting yourself up for failure. What would change if you were a part of a community, like in this case, the community is Chad and me, where somebody else is living the book and has a fresh perspective where they can call you out on things like that. What would that do for you? Where could they find a community like that? Well, first and foremost, it could be as simple as reading the book or listening to the podcast with someone else as the most bare bones version. I think one of the highest versions is what we've created in Living Your One Thing. It's the reason we created it. So regardless of how deep you want to go, are you choosing to craft a community around you that is going on the same journey as you. It's tremendously powerful. Yeah, and you know another thing I love that you said in there, Jeff, when you were first talking about your spiritual one to improve it, you said if we, we this is what we can do. We have to decide if we're going to choose to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when you asked me about spirituality, when you asked me about health, I said, should I choose to do it? When I look at all the areas of my life, because now it's a habit, I don't have to think about chasing two rabbits. I, I think and act in order of priority. Spirituality has not been a circle that I have chosen to put a focus on yet. Just, just has not for us been one that we have chosen to focus on yet. Health, I at one point, I did choose to do a 66-day challenge around it, and I failed on multiple attempts and I have intentionally chosen not to get on the bandwagon to take that from a six or whatever I said it was up to a 10. The difference is it's a conscious choice. And your choice is obviously different than anyone else's choice. They can choose those circles or they can choose different activities in those same mm-hmm. circles. Just because you said it's share with your wife the classes you want to go to, find the community that you want to be a part of in your spiritual. Theirs could be specific diet. Theirs could be just one-on-one time with some gratitude every day to improve their spiritual life, whatever it could be. Everyone's got different answers, which becomes the magic of this, that it's the question we can all ask each other, yet our answers don't have to all be the same. You said something there that's really important that I want to underscore, Chad. And under this lies one of the biggest, I think, mistakes that people make. They make decisions on their goals or on the habits they think they should create based on what they think society says they should do. 
I encourage every single one of you. And the reason I say this is because there was like an energy shift. And I can tell when I said, I choose not to make spirituality a priority right now. I choose to not make health a priority right now. Even though you're not even listening to this at the time of this recording, I can tell some of you past judgment. Where in your life are you projecting expectations on other people when it's not your right? Oh, love that you say. And where in your life are you allowing others to project their expectations on you and influence your actions? This isn't about anybody else. This is about your journey to living your one thing. The moment you stop looking outside for inner happiness and you start focusing on what is my journey without judgment, what's right for you is the moment you actually start living your one thing. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so, I, I mean, I, I can just see you right up on the soapbox right now saying it and screaming it from the top of your lungs, hoping that just one person out there at least hears it. Because if one person hears it this time, someone else will hear it when they re-listen to this podcast and someone else will hear it and they'll finally start to get that it's their choice as to what that's going to be, not what, as you say, society has said. So let's flash forward now, Jeff. All right. We, we've looked back. We got to meet high school Jeff and college Jeff a little, and we, we got to talk about what's going on now. And, and I'll let you off the hook for the other circles of your life was everybody can just see how I was asking you so they can ask themselves. Let's, let's talk about the, the ghost of the one thing future. What do you see five to seven years down the road with the one thing? I see us being a technology company that's helped a hundred million people take back control of their time. Tell me more. That, that just wowed me. Tell me more. This is the power of trusting the domino effect. The idea that if you get clear on the lead domino and every single day you continue to knock that lead domino down, that over time it will unleash hockey stick growth in your life. When we look at what our model is, what we ultimately want to do, we want to create a technology platform that helps you take back control of your time. In today's world, if you're not a tech company, you're going to be going out of business. Where we see us adding the most value is to create technology that helps you take back control of your time. And we have not earned the right to go there yet. It starts by us creating tools and trainings that generate the profit so that we can build the team and ultimately create the technology. It all started with a book. Then it went to time blocking mastery, then living your one thing, the podcast, the blog. This is all the free content that goes out there that builds the goodwill. And ultimately we will be so profitable that we earn the right to shift to becoming a technology company where we will build that technology that you use every single day that helps you control your time. Now, Jeff, if I, if I went back in time, when Dale Carnegie wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People, or when Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich, they didn't sit there and write this book and say, I know 50 years from now, this book is still one that everyone's referencing. I mean, they might have thought it as they were writing it, yet to believe it would become a true self-help 
classic in that regard of conversation when it comes to that. And there's a list of books that we can put on there. Where do you see the one thing as a book in the future? Does it end up on the bookshelf with those books? Yeah, we. I mean, we're we're actively tracking what's the road to selling the type of volume that a seven habits of highly effective people sells or a how to win friends and influence people because it has come out of the gates so strong in the first four years. It's, it's truly a rare, rare book. The average business book sells 5,000 copies in its lifetime. The one thing has sold over 1.1 million in just four years. There's very few books that ever crest a million copies sold. And now we're tracking how do we get to two, then three, then 10. And there's a lot of things that we're doing behind the scenes to help make sure that the one thing becomes one of those books that lasts for decades and decades. We're going to write a fable based on the one thing that's in the works behind the scene, creating a one thing journal slash calendar. Everything we do with living your one thing, we're going into corporate, doing corporate training. We're creating a coaching company around this, creating technology. All of this drives back ultimately to the book. What makes the book different other than it's selling at an amazing rate and other than the fact that you and I have read it so many times, we, we probably can explain it a little. What do you think it is, though, truly that makes the one thing separate from so many other books that it has already earned its way to the lower shelves of the classics as it moves its way up and has become such a big seller for so many people? Sure. We live in a time where it's easier than ever before to write a book. More books are being published than ever before, and lots of them are being published as a business card. You have to reflect back on what are the ideas that inspired this. It's Gary's model for building an empire. He already created the largest real estate company in the world and then shares his thoughts. And where most people would just try to bang a book out, Gary and Jay invested five years backing it with research and writing it to ensure that it was timeless. And then it was written in a way, and this is what I ultimately think truly distinguishes it, so that it's simple. Every person who reads this goes, that was so simple and it was so powerful. That's great. I agree. You're not going to hear any argument on my end. That's for sure. So tell us this. It's been two years now. You're blasting through amazing podcast episodes. I won't ask you to tell us your favorite one. I won't ask you to tell us who your favorite person that you interviewed was. I won't even ask who the the dream interview is that you're still working on bringing everybody. Yet what I do want to ask you is what's the lesson that you want to share with everybody that's been following your journey or anybody who this is the first episode they're listening to. What's the lesson you truly want to leave everybody with after your two years of diving in and living this lifestyle? Well, first, if you're new, you have to listen to episode 50 and episode 83. When you said, I won't ask you which ones are at the top of your head, it's like, boom, they just popped up. <laughs> I know it's episode 50. I know it's episode 83. I know those are two of my favorites. I think the biggest lesson for somebody listening to this is how fast things can happen in your life when you trust the domino effect. Back in episode 79, I was giving a keynote and a woman asked a question in the audience and I turned the tables on her and just started asking her coaching questions. 
What she didn't realize was that behind the scenes, I have been forming the habit of asking great questions because I know that's what's going to carry me to the level that Gary Keller is at. If I can stop teaching and start asking great questions, I can succeed through others. It's the one thing I can do. And I'd only been doing that with intention for about two weeks, but my skill set in that area grew so fast because I focused on it with intention and Jay called that out. He said, it's amazing. It doesn't take years for you to achieve an incredible level of growth living your one thing. It can happen really fast for you. If you are able to narrow your focus down to a clear lead domino and be consistent in knocking it down every day. Great. You're right. Dominoes can fall very quickly if they're lined up right. I think the big challenge and mistake that people make is they read the one thing, they listen to the podcast, and they start taking action in all different directions, and they are chasing too many rabbits. This was one of my first things you asked me about, Chad. I had to narrow my focus. I had to wake up and realize I'm chasing too many rabbits, narrow the focus, and chase one. What's the one thing that you can do that you've heard out of all these episodes such that by doing it will make everything else easier or unnecessary? And will you choose to go on a 66-day challenge to making that a power habit? Jeff, I think some of the key things that get mentioned in the book again and again is that it's not one thing. It's one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Success is sequential, not simultaneous. And I think you've lived that by showing us again and again, you've had some false starts. You've, you've <laughs> jumped into the, the health area. You've stepped back out. You've jumped into this area. You've stepped back out. You've decided, you chose that, as you even said earlier, that the spiritual area is not the area to focus on right now because it's one thing at a time. And while that means you have the business growing and you have truly focused on the one thing, you still go home at the end of the day, put your phone away because now it's one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's become all about family. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for everyone to understand that it's not one thing that sums everything up. It is one thing at a time. We can only do one thing at a time. And as you've shown us again and again, it's doing the one thing until you figure out which one thing it is and then focusing on that one until the dominoes start to fall properly for you. You've It's been a great time watching you, listening to you, following along and hearing the interviews, hearing the questions, hearing the authenticity come from you and the people on the other end of the podcast and what's being shared. So on behalf of the audience, I want to thank you for the journey you've been taking us on by finally living the one thing yourself. I appreciate it, Chad. Um, If you can't hear, I'm getting emotional over here. You know, it's... This has been such an honor. I feel so blessed that Gary and Jay created this opportunity. And this is the first time in my life where I feel like I'm living my purpose. And hopefully it shows through. It does. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Chad Himes, uh, one of our certified one thing trainers. Folks, uh, you heard me at the end. I got pretty choked up and so many emotions came rushing forward to me 
Chad took us on an interesting journey, you know, reflecting back to childhood, to present, to future. One of the things that I didn't share was, and so many of you, I know what, you know what this feels like, where you're an empire builder. You're destined to build something amazing in this world. And at some point in your life, maybe it's now, maybe it was in the past, maybe it's yet to come for you. You're going to feel so lost. You know you're destined for more and you're not clear on how it's going to happen. And that lack of clarity is painful. So painful. Going through this journey with you on this episode, so many of those emotions came rushing back to when I knew I was destined to build a business and I wasn't sure how to. And I committed to going on a road to surrounding myself with the right people. That moment when... Jay and I are on the phone where Jay's telling me about how he and Gary are looking for a CEO for a new company and he's describing the type of person he's looking for. The moment when I realized he described me to the T and I had this flash forward to my life being in business with them and the impact that we can make, how lucky I would feel if that could become my opportunity. When that was granted to me, I took that very seriously and I have taken that very seriously. The opportunity to serve you by leading this brand, the opportunity to be a guide with you in living your one thing. Outside of the birth of my children, this has been the highest calling I have experienced in my life. This inherently means I would not be here without you. None of this would be possible without you. Because it's you taking action, you getting the results, you sharing those results with us, and then you turning around and empowering the people in your world to take action is ultimately what makes this such a valuable experience. So this episode is dedicated to you. Thank you for taking this journey with us. And I look forward to serving with you for many, many years to come. If this has helped you, please share this with somebody that you know that it will help. And if you would be willing to leave us a rating and review on your experience with us over the last year of the One Thing podcast, that would mean the world to us. It really would. If you are not yet subscribed, please click that button. So all future episodes like this are automatically downloaded to your device. And if you are looking to live your one thing at a higher level, I think the highest way that we can serve you is through our Living Your One Thing membership community. Go to the onething.com slash membership. That way, we can be working with you every single week so you can think and act in order of priority so you begin taking back control of your time. Thank you, folks. We look forward to being with you in the next episode. <laughs>